coming up on the Louis Diaz podcast. And I got myself here through all of the, the things that didn't go to plan. Hi, and welcome to the Louis Diaz podcast, the podcast where you'll meet some of the most fascinating and incredible people from all walks of life. And together, we're inviting you in to be our special guest as we take you through some of their amazing experiences, adventures, and journeys. So sit back and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Louis Diaz podcast. Okay, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Louis Diaz podcast. Today, I have a pretty cool guest, someone I've been catching up with back and forth online for a little while, trying to get this to happen, and we were going to do it online, and then suddenly I get a call saying, no, I'm going to be in Melbourne, so let's do it in person. Seb Varis. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm honestly flattered because I think your previous guests have all been amazing. So I'm a little bit... Uh, I, I'll try my best to live up to the, the standard they've set. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's kind of funny, that whole imposter syndrome thing. <laughs> and, um, you know, what's also interesting is that half of the guests will say the same thing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so you're no different there. But, um, yeah, I appreciate you. And, and look, this podcast isn't necessarily about having whiz bang big celebrities on it but like appreciating the different perspectives that people can bring from different walks of life and mm. you know when i first heard about you from kat huang who suggested that you might be a great person to bring onto the podcast so that was kat from episode 12 for anyone listening i was like yeah i'm totally down for that i'm totally up for speaking with seb because i don't believe that anyone's life journey is more powerful or important or beneficial to society than anyone else's. I think they're all different, and I love that. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a huge compliment from Kat to mention me, because I, I have so much respect and admiration for her. So, yeah, thank I, you, Kat. <laughs> I know. Have you seen what she's doing lately with all the aerial silks and the shows that she's been doing? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't actually kept up with what she's been up to lately. I've, as you know, I've been doing my own thing for a little while and kind of been off the grid a little mm. bit. Yeah, yeah, you have. But, um, yeah, shout out to Kat. Shout <laughs> and, out to Kat. And, yeah, why don't we start there, Seb? Who are you? Like, what, what <laughs> and what have you been up to lately? So, my name's Sebastian. And on, honestly, dude, I just, I think I'm just some dude who goes on holidays a lot and barely works. <laughs> but, I mean, but, I mean, really, I'm, I'm unemployed at the moment. I think you've pricked someone's ears, <laughs> at least by saying that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm fortunate. I don't know how I've gotten myself into this place, but uh, I'm grateful. <laughs> oh, by the way, anyone listening, I've ordered a pizza <laughs> and we're sitting out here. It's kind of like a, a coolish spring night in my backyard. Uh, we've got a fire on and we've got the mic set up. We bought a bottle of wine. We're having a couple of glasses and we've gotten cozy. Oh, yeah, this is a beautiful setup. No better way to spend a Saturday night. <laughs> but pizza delivery's here. Just one second. One sec. <laughs> but, yeah, Seb, I mean, I don't... I think, you know, you might not think that you're anything special, as you put it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you mainly was because of part of your story was really about having certain realisations in your early 20s mm, mm. after high school. And those realizations led you to change your trajectory in your life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think one of my friends said it best when he told me, you know, your life has been anything except linear. And I hadn't really thought about it until he said that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. I've kind of picked up and restarted various times and just changed course various times. But, yeah, uh, to kind of 
answer your question from before. Uh, this year, I've been just traveling through Southeast Asia or Asia in general. And yeah, so I've been doing that since January. And then about two weeks ago, decided to come back to Brisbane, surprised my mom for her birthday. She was missing me like crazy. So yeah, said hey to her. And then I thought, you know what, while I'm here, why don't we uh, record in person? Yeah. Yeah. And I really appreciate that because I always love recording with people live. It's so great to have you here. Thank you. In front you, of the you. fire with the wine and now the pizza. <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about a little bit about your history. And sure. I want you to take us on a little journey of a bit about who you are and why, how did you become this young man that feels like he doesn't work much and <laughs> travels a lot? You know, because I know that it seems like the kind of life that everyone would want to live. Mm. But for some, for those that get there to live that kind of life, it's not always intentional. Sometimes they no. fall into it. Sometimes it, it is intentional. What's your story behind it? I mean, this is definitely not intentional. I think if you had asked me at 16 whether I wanted to sort of backpack around the world and see what I've seen, 16-year-old me would have said absolutely not. I think 16-year-old me had no intentions of roughing it through sort of developing countries. So I think as a teenager, I was obsessed, obsessed with kind of growing up to be wealthy. That was my goal in life. I think my parents, <laughs> uh, you know, my parents being uh, immigrants to Australia had that kind of mentality of like, you have to study and get a good job. And that's the be-all and end-all of life. So then, I guess, after high school, I went to university. I studied civil engineering, thinking that I was going to be this um, big-shot engineer. I thought I was going to, like, live in, like, New York or Tokyo or something, you know, <laughs> really sort of now looking back kind of stupid or naive or whatever. But, yeah, I graduated from that, and already by the end of my degree, I was like, no, I don't think this is for me. This lifestyle of sort of competing with others for money just kind of was not... I knew that then and there that it wasn't going to make me happy. So I finished, I graduated. I was unemployed for a year at least. I couldn't find any work as an engineer. And I mean, there's a part of me that says, uh, you know, maybe I wasn't trying hard enough because it wasn't what I truly wanted. But I mean, I was still applying and I just, that year for me was so, it was such a pivotal moment in my life. I think everything I have, the person that I am came from that year. It really just kind of it broke me. It really broke my identity to kind of be unemployed after spending my whole life thinking that I was going to be this big shot, wealthy engineer. And then to find out that I was either like not smart enough or that I'd kind of been <laughs> uh, deceived into thinking that I was special or whatever. You know, anyway, so that year like was really pivotal. Yeah, and I think by the end of that, I kind of had to reframe who I was and I just thought, you know what, being wealthy is not that important. Being intelligent is not important at all. What I want to be, the person that I want to be, more than an engineer, more than any kind of career, is what I want to be is kind. I want to be a kind person that kind of brings happiness to those around him. And I don't need a career to do that. Like, that career is such a small part of who I am, like, negligible parts, so... Yeah, so I ended up working in hospitality for a bit, kind of fell into teaching, studied education for a year. I had no intentions of being a teacher, but <laughs> by the end of it, I was like, man, this is, I think I found my, my thing. And yeah, I mean, I've been a teacher for the last maybe like five or six years and just love it. And more than the actual like teaching work, I love the freedom that it has given me to travel, to take time off, to kind of see the world. And I know that that learning that I get from traveling kind of, it does help my teaching. So it's this back and forth thing of like just constantly learning. And yeah, that's where I'm at. Mm. I'm sorry while I'm still eating the pizza. <laughs> but I really love that, you know, you're so open and candid about like those maybe, <laughs> you know, what we consider later on in life to be like, you know, silly <laughs> 
dreams. Oh, yeah. Because they're certainly not silly to us at the time. No, no. And the thing about that is that I think those silly dreams are really good for us. I think that whole wanting to be an engineer and have be like, uh, did you say big shot? I never yeah. heard of a big shot engineer, but you know, I'm sure they <laughs> exist. Um, I'm sure they, I don't know much about engineering though. Maybe I'm naive. Um, and maybe they exist. Yeah. They, they don't get a lot of credit to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> They're not like Hollywood actors maybe, but no. I guess my point is that, you know, for you to have grand visions for your life at any stage of your life is really noble. Mm. And I think our lack of life experience when we're younger, mm-hmm. what it does is it means that we sort of end up grasping onto what we do know mm-hmm. rather than being able to draw from experience necessarily. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and yeah, I think at 16, you're, at least in my case, your world is essentially your parents, like school and your parents. That's really all you know, unless you, you know, are fortunate enough to have kind of seen something else. But I, I certainly wasn't. And so, you know, what my parents said, even though I kind of didn't always agree with them, I did have this notion that, yeah, like I need to be wealthy if I want to be happy. I need to have a secure, not just secure, a well-paying job. That was sort of in my mind at the time, that was the key to happiness. And that's, that's bullshit. <laughs> My apologies if there are children listening. Um, but yeah, the idea that sort of uh, your income is going to lead to happiness is just, it's absolute bullshit. And I think as well, I mean, this is you know something that have, kind of took me a little while to realize, but you are not your job. You know, your job is not who you are whatsoever. Your job is the contract that you enter into, right? It's the trade that you make in order to make money. You give up your time and energy for money. And then money is just a fuel to do whatever you want to do. Right. And so yeah. it's not the key to happiness at all. That's so funny. This this theme keeps coming up. Anyone who's listened to my episode with Hamima recently, where she basically brings up that same concept, almost reverse engineering that concept because she works in the spiritual field, for example. And it's not just her career, it's her life. It's mm-hmm. her lifestyle. So being faced with certain health challenges and needing to move back to Europe and organize things and having a bit of a topsy-turvy changes happening in her life that were unplanned and unexpected Mm. had her sort of questioning you know who she is when she's not working and Yamini Kaluri who I'm just about to release that episode at the time of recording this it's funny because I asked her you know who are you and she's like well the first thing I need to say is that I'm not my body and I'm not my job Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what I've been really rehearsing a lot in my life lately to not identify myself with my career but ultimately we do like there's kids out there that might be listening you know in high school or in their early 20s that they don't have necessarily a lot of life experience and maybe they do come from lower socioeconomic families or even middle class families Mm -hmm. and they they've gotten through relatively well and they're quite intelligent but they you know, they want more, they want better, they want to experience more. And like I said, without experience, all of that we start to grasp onto is the superficial stuff. Oh, absolutely. You know, Mm -hmm. like we, I can't think of the joy and happiness of the times that I traveled through Europe, for example, and was kind of slumming it as well at times, Mm -hmm. but how happy I was. I would never have thought back when I was in my early 20s, you know what, I'm going to be so stoked just slumming it through Europe and that's going to be what I want to do with my life. There are some people that actually think like that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they've read a book or something. But I mean, for the rest of us, it's like, oh, actually, if I get a high-paying job and I can 
you know, drive a Aston Martin around the Amalfi Coast, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to bring me happiness. I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with either of those things. I would love to drive on an Aston Martin <laughs> around the Amalfi Coast. I just, I know that I can grasp, I can get happiness other ways. Oh, absolutely. But I, I also think there's different kinds of happiness. Because you can be an unhappy person and still drive that Aston Martin around Amalfi and be happy in that moment and be like, oh man, this is so fun. Because it is, I bet it would be. But you walk away from that experience still an unhappy person, right? Whereas I think there are other experiences in life, much more profound experiences that are not materialistic that give you fulfillment, that give you sort of the ability to be content with your life and even content enough so that any problem that you have, right, because everyone has problems, big and small, you come out of the problem still content with your life and with who you are. And that happiness is really hard to shake or erase from your being, you know, whereas those other things, the Aston Martin and all anything else that's kind of material stuff, the happiness is not permanent. And I think that happiness can come and go just as quickly. Yeah, I do like that concept. But I kind of like that you acknowledged as well that it may have been through a lack of resilience that you gave up a bit on your dreams. Uh, it's, it's interesting you should say this because I don't see it like that. I was having this conversation actually like two days ago with my parents as we were sitting in the airport. <laughs> and we were talking about a friend who did what I call the plan, right? They went to university, I think, multiple times. They pretty much had one stable job the whole time. Really? Um, they, they're rare, those people. Yeah, well, she, she did the thing, you know, she got, then she got married and she had a baby. And, you know, I said to my dad, I was like, man, that's so boring. <laughs> and he said, like, he's like, no, no, it's, it's really noble because, like, they had a plan and they stuck to it. They, they executed it and they, they saw it through. And I said, you know, like, yeah, but that plan was made by a 16-year-old. That plan was made by a teenager with not a whole lot of life experience. So, yes, it's noble to, to have that stick-withedness. Or to maybe just have a really, you know, that tenacity and maybe just, maybe it was a good idea overall, but that plan was still made by someone who hadn't really seen the world, who hadn't really lived their life. And so I'm so grateful for the way that my life turned out, the things that didn't go to plan, the things that fell apart. It gave me a much broader perspective and a better foundation to make new plans for my life. That's what I think. No, I I really do like that. I mean, it still doesn't, I honestly think it still doesn't negate that you know, when we're young and we do make these plans and we have these dreams and visions and that we face challenges, that we need to exercise some level of resilience. Mm-hmm. Like, I still, I honestly still believe that. Like, we need to learn how to push through the discomfort of feeling like a failure. Oh, yeah. And the sooner we learn how to do that, the better. But at the same time, just as valid is that whole, oh, I'm not getting any satisfaction out of this plan that I've created for myself. I didn't see it playing out this way and also I don't even think that it's it's what I truly want and being able to recognize that and pivot when I love your story just then about you know the way that you contextualized it about that linear lifestyle being the plan of a 16 year old yeah because you've really dumped it down (laughs) sorry (laughs) what you have I'm just like oh god yes you have I mean no offense to 16 year olds out there because there are some amazing ones and and for sure and of course, you know, you, you see a lot of amazing ones in the public eye, the ones that end up being famous musicians or pop stars or even sports stars. You know, mm-hmm. they all start their careers really young. And obviously they they had a plan from the age of maybe nine. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, and they're seeing it through. 
but and I just sorry to, to cut you off. I don't think there's anything wrong with following through with that plan. I just and again, I'm not. I don't think 16 year olds are stupid by any means. I mean, I work with them, but at the end of the day, they haven't lived all that long. And so, if they know at a young age, if they're nine and they say, "I want to be a doctor," and then they end up being a doctor, that's fantastic, right? That's obviously a good thing. But I think they also, when they get to that point, I'm hoping that they also have enough kind of maturity and experience that where they've identified what it is that in that that is making them happy. Because if it's just the title, I think that they're maybe setting themselves up for a bit of disappointment because that title is not permanent. But if they can identify in what aspects of the plan are making them happy, then maybe they will pivot or maybe they can sort of see, okay, I may not have to be a doctor my whole life, but helping people is what I like. You know, it kind of opens the doors a lot more rather than just deciding that this is what I'm going to do. And this is this is it. This is who I am. Yeah, yeah. That's a good acknowledgement to make. I think when it comes to you and your story, though, mm-hmm. coming back to that, you hit a, a moment, a fork in the road in your own journey, where you realised that your ultimate goal in life was to be a kind of, as kind of person as you possibly could and have, I hope, <laughs> as many experiences as as you can in the meantime. Yeah, and make friends in I guess various places and you know, experience their company and experience the the joy and wisdom that comes from those friendships, which is really, I think, what actually everyone really wants. That's really all everyone, anyone wants. Apart, like, unless you're having health issues at the moment, of course you want health and you want this and that, but we all want to just... Belong. Belong, I think. So that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, we want to belong and connect and, and... Not be alone. And so I guess the actions that have consequently come out of you making that decision have been, you know, becoming a teacher and then using that freedom that teaching gives you to travel around as mm. a, a way to see more of the world. So what is it, like, what, what have you seen in the world that has surprised you or, you know, given you that goosebump moment of, like, this is really what I wanted? Because I'm sure it's not always pretty out there oh god no i think so i've traveled around um south america and currently i say in quotation marks uh asia and i i think one of the things like this is kind of generalizing but the big things that come out of that i think is you realize how similar we are and how different we are right and it's when you don't leave your sort of your comfort zone when you don't leave your bubble you don't really have enough kind of uh experience but enough kind of like evidence to connect those dots but when you get to meet people who are very different to you who live in very different circumstances who don't even speak your language and all this stuff i think you get to see oh like i can list a hundred ways in which we're different but ultimately we're the same right and you get to sort of see those similarities and we get you get to see those minor differences which are superficial and i think that's it that kind of leads to this this thing of empathy right the more stories you know the more perspectives you can sort of fathom and then you have this hopefully a greater empathy for everyone around you and not necessarily next to you or the people who look like you or think like you and so i think that has that's the ultimate goal i think but also just also being surprised by the kindness that i think you know i think when you live in sort of this sort of western uh, capitalist society you do get caught up in like in the rat race of it all right and you people tend to be quite individualistic and they they don't sort of lean into helping each other and i think when you escape that a little bit and you realize that people can help you with having without having some other motive behind it or without having sort of desire for financial gain out of that interaction and that's one of the things that will always like it still blows me away when people are just kind for the sake of being kind those moments i think are the most special for me or when you get to sort of just appreciate just normal people who are just yeah kind and interesting and 
and all that. Yeah, that whole motive piece behind kindness really has always kind of bothered me. <laughs> like, I always felt like I just liked giving people something. I liked teaching them something, mm-hmm. sharing some knowledge that I had. You know, teaching them how to skateboard, for example, which I, I did for a, quite a while. Um, you know, without a motive. For me, that was always a real natural way of being. And so when I've encountered suspicion in life around that that side of me that just gives oh yeah you can burp it's fine <laughs> um it's been confronting i haven't known how to deal with it i've mm. i felt like i've had to justify myself for some stupidly mm-hmm. at a time where i i'm sort of also wondering why do i how how is it that i even have to justify this you know it's it's really sad actually one of my ex-girlfriends when we first connected and started dating each other, she sort of would turn to me and say, why are you being so nice to me? Wow. And I was like, oh, the fact that I even have to answer this question is troubling to me because mm-hmm. I don't know how to answer it. I was just like, I'd, I'd like you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, why not? <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, so that whole thing about motives, being able to go out into the world and experience that generosity and kindness from other people, and and to feel that it's motive free, mm-hmm. super powerful. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Got any examples? You know of of times. Uh, the one that sticks out for me, I think, was recently in in Bangladesh, and I have to give a shout out to Bangladesh. I think we're shouting out whole countries now. Yeah, yeah. Not just cat. Yeah, <laughs> not just cat. The whole country. Um, you know, when I told people I was going to Bangladesh, I think everyone came back to me with the same response: Why? And the, you know, a lot of people would say like, "Oh, you know, what is there to see in Bangladesh? What is there to do?" And I would say, well, I don't know, but I want to find out. That's the whole point of going. And the more people kind of, uh, I'm not going to say trashed, but kind of questioned my desire to go there, the, the more it reinforced that I needed to go there. And the people, the Bangladeshi people, are so consistently kind to me. Strangers on the street were so, so nice and just wanted to help me. And, you know, as a traveler, you, you're kind of you're a little bit dubious and skeptical and you kind of think everyone's out to scam you. But not once did I get that vibe and not once was I, was I wrong in Bangladesh. I think so many people just really just wanted me to leave Bangladesh with a good impression and, my God, they succeeded. So one guy on this, I was on a bus to some, some town and I was buying a drink or something, so he quickly caught on that I was not from there. And so he, he's like, can I sit next to you? And I was like, yeah, sure, man. And he's like, where are you from? And we do all the, the chit-chat and stuff. And then he was getting off sooner and he, he asked me, he said, oh, you know, uh, if you run into any trouble where you go, call me. Um, and I said, oh, I, I don't have a, a SIM. And the, so he gave me his SIM card because I think he had two phones. And he's like, here, here's my SIM card. Take it. And then if you run into any trouble, then you can, you can contact me. And I was like, logistically, I was like, how am I going to get this back to you? Like, you live in this town and I'm not going there. So how am I going to get this, this SIM card back to you? And ultimately he was like, you know what, man, don't worry about it. Like, I just want you to be safe. He barely spoke English, but, you know, he was giving me his, his things, you know. For everyone listening, um, we're sitting next to a fire. <laughs> and all I can see is... <laughs> Smoke just blowing <laughs> right over. Said <Seb>, right, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. Those are the hazards of, of fires. They're very pretty, and they're great to tell stories around. Mm-hmm. But you're also going to get smoked out occasionally. Yeah, it's fine. It's worth it. But I really do love stories like that. And so, did you ever communicate with this person again? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. We so we kept in touch. I mm-hmm. mean, um, he he would check in on me every few days and say like, you know. 
how you doing? Are you safe? And yeah, and then he would like, he would send me photos of like his family and say, you know, this is my wife and these are my two sons. Um, this is where I live. He had a, a very, very humble home, which recently was destroyed by a landslide. So oh, no way. yeah, yeah. So it's monsoon season at the moment in that part of the world. And uh, I think Bangladesh, I mean, you may want to fact check me, but uh, it receives like, I think it's one of the countries with the highest amount of rainfall. And so they, and it's a very flat country. So flooding and landslides are like very common. And yes, yeah, so, so he recently lost his house, which is killing me. <laughs> Yeah, it's really devastating. And so I guess it puts it probably a little bit more into perspective for you how, yeah, maybe life's not fair. <laughs> you know, how you can I mean, be that's an understatement, a, I think. <laughs> yeah, you can be such a kind, warm, generous person and, and have things happen to you that, mm -hmm. you know, are out of your control and adversities to overcome. I was talking to um, one of the listeners of the podcast the other day. We just got on a call and we're talking to each other. Um, Shout out to Joe, since we're just this is an episode where we're just shouting everyone out. And um, we were actually talking about parenting, and we were talking about how you know as parents we want to raise our kids the best possible way mm -hmm. and give them the best future and give them the best possible chance of this and that. And it's kind of dawned on me recently that most parents will have some kind of you know there'll be some kind of challenge. Mm -hmm. And I think what we want for our kids, it's really noble that we want. For people, we want the best for them and we don't want them to suffer and experience any adversity. Mm -hmm. But I came to this notion the other day that actually that's what life is about. Life is about learning how to transcend our trauma. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I've plateaued with my understanding of all of this, maybe this Buddhism stuff and, you know, this spiritual stuff and all this universal stuff. I'm like, no, it, it doesn't matter what kind of parent you are. You're going to screw them up somehow. <laughs> And <laughs> I love that. Well, no, what I mean is that we're constantly trying to rescue and save people in society from experiencing adversity, mm -hmm. like to prevent them from experiencing adversity mm -hmm. so that they don't have to go through it because it, it's hard. But really, our heroes' journeys in life, I guess, which we're all on, mm -hmm. requires us to experience a lot of adversity and overcome it mm -hmm. and that's why when i reflect on things like what's happened to your friend your bangladeshi friend you know that adversity comes in all shapes and sizes and, and could come in any form at any time for any one of us mm -hmm. but life plan for us doesn't discriminate no matter how good of a person you are and the reason I'm, i've gone on this tangent <laughs> is just because i i started reflecting on that whole thing about oh but i'm a good person like these things shouldn't happen to me. You know, I've paid my taxes. I've done all this. I've done all the right things my whole life. And I'm a good person. And now I've lost everything. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, you had it wrong. Like, you thought that by being as good a person as possible, it was going to somehow save you from any potential adversities or traumas that you might have to mm. experience later in life. And that's what I loved about your initial sort of opening about, you know, you went to university, studied engineering. You Could, know, Couldn't be an engineer. Slash didn't want to be an engineer. But also, at that time, that 16-year-old's plan was to, you know, you kind of got a little bit, I'm not going to say sucked in, but you got a little bit... You can say sucked in. ...marketed <laughs> to by the university system that says, hey, come here, get this degree, and this will take your life on this trajectory. And all of these things, these good things might happen to you. And without telling you, like, actually, plus, yes, you will have a degree at the end. Then there's going to be some adversity in the form of you not being able to find a job for a while. And we're not going to prepare you for that. 
I mean, I don't know if I would phrase it like that. I think I actually, okay, I have mixed feelings about universities, but what I do like about them is that they seem to be quite transparent in the way that they operate, right? It's a business, essentially. You go in, you buy a degree, and, and that's it, right? Then they don't really have this responsibility to train you for the world, I don't think, right? Because it's not compulsory to go to, to university the same way that it is to go to high school, right? And so, and I think that's the big difference in attitudes that people have towards high school versus university. And so I think university, it's a, a degree shop, right? You go, you a buy... A degree it. shop. Yeah. yeah you, you buy your degree. And I'll, whoever has left their degree thinking, oh man... I learned so much. I was so well prepared for that career. Like, no, we all get to our career and be like, I know nothing. And you learn everything on the job, right? So universities are degree shops and I'm cool with that. So I don't think they have this responsibility to sort of train us for the real world. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean that people don't think that exactly. that's what they're getting. Yeah, but I don't think that's the university's fault. I think that's maybe society's fault for saying you will go to university and you will walk out successful. Like, no, that's not going to happen. Um, and just going back a few points, there, there were so many things I wanted to respond to, but, mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I went off on a tangent, I know. No, no, no. It was beautiful. It was just like, you gave me a lot to kind of, as I said, respond to, but, um, going back to like adversity and challenges, I think one of the things we learn in education is that we learn best almost exclusively when we are challenged, right? If you are not being challenged, you are not learning, right? And think about any job that you've had to do, maybe like where you've done the tasks a hundred times over. You get to the, the first time you do it, you're going to learn how to do it and then you'll get better and then you'll hit a plateau and you're not going to learn anything because you're no longer being challenged, right? Which a lot of people find in their work. They'll say, oh, I'm no longer being challenged and just in this rut. So our brains are working best when we are challenged. Mm. And that applies whether you're, you're doing, you know, math problems. I'm a maths teacher, by the way. <laughs> so whether you're doing sort of maths exercises or whether you're roughing it through Cambodia and you have to solve a problem as in how am I going to find a bed to sleep in tonight right all of these things are the same your brain is going to figure it out and you're going to come out smarter because of that because of the challenge mm. and so to wish someone a life without challenges is sort of wishing them to be stunted forever because they're not going to be able to grow if they're not challenged and learning mm. yeah I like that but yeah I mean like I said before when Joe and I were talking us as parents mm. it's almost like and especially Joe, she's overcome some serious health challenges in her like 30s and all of that adversity she's she's a high achiever in the corporate world and now gotten out of that started her own business and you know we like we've been through stuff yeah. in our own lives mm -hmm. and as parents we just like sometimes we fall a little bit guilty of trying to make it is it you know wanting to make it as easy as possible for our kids or for you know, sure. our neighbors or you know as people we, we want to just make someone else's path really smooth and, and easy but you know, you having changed your trajectory in life to, you know, hopefully want to be the kindest person you possibly could. And then going out into the world and seeing what ki that kindness actually looks like and then ex and realizing that, hey, it's motive-free. You know, real beautiful kindness is motive-free. Mm -hmm. You know, how does that govern your actions? Like, wh what do you do? Like, how do you spend your days? Whose life have you changed recently? Oh, I don't know. I don't set out with that. Uh, really? That goal. Are you selling yourself short? No, I think <laughs> I, I... Have you had an impact on someone's life recently? You, probably. Yeah? But I, I think it's a little bit egotistical to be like... No, to say, oh, not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change someone's life today. Okay, yes, that. To acknowledge that you've had a positive impact on someone's life experience is a good thing, but we don't do enough. We should do. Mm -hmm. um, it's good for the world for us to recognize that. To, the, to be like, <laughs> hey, listen... Uh, <laughs> 
ooh, it's 7.05, and I'm going to go and change someone's life today. Yeah, exactly. That's bizarre. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> but no, and I, I think to kind of... I mean, there's no way you can actually measure that, can you? Short of people telling you, hey, you've changed my life, or hey, you've impacted me on this w- in this way. Mm-hmm. There's no other way you can measure that. And I think if you try to, if you try to measure it, you're going to just end up comparing like impacts you know i had this impact on louis and i had this impact on cat you know to to shout out someone who we've already mentioned and then you're going to say okay well i had more of an impact here and this is good and, and it's like ah, that's that doesn't sit right with me i don't want my life to be like that where i'm thinking just measuring my own worth in the impact that i'm having on people because i one you couldn't do that and then two that's just a weird goal to have <laughs> i think but sorry can i just go back a point to the parenting yeah, thing just go back yeah if it's any consolation and feel free to cut this out because this might turn into a rant but um <laughs> there's stacks and stacks and stacks of studies like in education where they try to determine what factors will contribute to success and all these studies come back with the same thing that all of these positive factors are what they call low impact factors right so if you took two families and you they're just run of the mill they're very similar in every way but if you gave one family more money it's going to have a very low impact on that kid's success, right? So all of these positive things are actually very low impact, whereas negative things are high impact, right? So if you, again, if you take those two families and you take money away from one or you move them to a sort of a poorer neighborhood, that's going to have a higher impact. And what they come back to is like schools are very low impact, teachers are very low impact, until you make those things bad, right? If you have a bad teacher that will have a higher impact than having 10 good teachers in a negative way obviously same with like with schools if you send them if you send a kid to a really bad school that's going to have a higher impact than sending them to the most prestigious private school right yeah and, and to be clear like when you're talking the word impact you're not necessarily using it as a positive in a, in a positive light either yeah. uh, it's a factor okay. yeah it could be a, like a negative impact Exactly. Or a positive impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, So, and I think parenting, again, studies have shown the same as well, where as long as you sort of eliminate these negative factors, then you're doing the best you can. Like, giving a family sort of, again, more money and all of this stuff is not going to have a huge impact. And so, unless you're like a super bad parent, then you're pretty much the same as everyone else. (laughs) Yeah. I will point out, I'll take this time to point out, that there was one high-impact positive thing, and it was parents' attitude towards education was a high impact. So if the parents have a very positive and healthy attitude towards education, the kids will inherit that and that will lead to being more successful in life. Really? Um, mm. And I think they measured success in a few ways, not just income. But they said that one of the... This is, I, I love this fact because to me it's so cute. You can almost measure this. One of, the, mm. one of the biggest indicators of a parent's attitude towards education is how many books are in the house. And it doesn't even matter. This was the, the key takeaway. It doesn't even matter what kind of book it is. They could all be picture books. They could all be comics. They could all be whatever. If there are books in the house, then there's a high correlation between that and a successful person or that kid will grow up to be successful wow <laughs> just fyi if there's any parents listening and worried about their parenting where did you see this where where were these studies done so these are all studies that have been published in mm-hmm. journals right mm-hmm. and in my education degree my this was one of my focus areas and also like i think every teacher goes through this where you learn about what the factors are in good education and bad education and all that stuff so this is this has come from various various papers and journals right okay yeah wow super interesting 
Yeah, I, I do remember watching some things about like education's death valley on TED Talks and, and some of those really great talks. But yeah, I think the choice that you've made to go out into the world and, and figure it out is is a very brave choice and something I really admire. That Thank you. Where, where you've gone out and just gone, you know what, I'm going to slum it. So talk to us a little bit about the current adventure. When did you have the idea to go traveling through Asia? How did you start to plan for it? Um, I think this idea came about while I was backpacking through South America. And as I said before, I had no intentions of being like a traveler. I saw myself, younger me saw myself as someone who would like go to Rome and stay in like a five-star hotel and, you know, do that kind of thing. And all the, again, <laughs> I love Rome. I've never been. <laughs> I don't think I've even stayed in a five-star hotel. And anyway, so, but South America came about as an accident, actually. I was, I had just become a teacher. I was like my first year and I got picked up at this school where they had a really good reputation for, uh, for newbie teachers. And they said, oh, you're going to be here for a while and we're going to train you. We're going to make you permanent, blah, 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 blah. Six months later or six months into my, my new career, my contract was not renewed. And I had been warned, you know, my, my boss pulled me and a bunch of other newbie teachers aside and said, hey, um, We've had some teachers come back unexpectedly, so two of you are going to have to bounce. And I told everyone, my friends and family, that I might be losing my job. And a friend of mine asked me, like, oh, you know, what, what will you do if, if, if it's you that ends up going? And I jokingly, like, as a complete joke, I said, oh, I guess I'll go to South America for six months and backpack. I had no real intention of that happening. <laughs> um, but it was something that was, I had been saying for so long that, like, oh, I really want to backpack around South America. Or I really want to, like, go to South America and buy a motorbike and, and just drive around or something. Which never happened. I mean, the motorcycle didn't happen. But yes, and then when my boss told me, hey, your contract's not being renewed, I heard in my head, hey, Sebastian, you're going to South America. And yeah, like two or three weeks later, I was in South America and just setting off on this adventure that I think I was too excited to be scared at the time, which was awesome because if I had been any more scared, I wouldn't have done it. Um, and then while I was doing that, I was like, man, I'm hecking unstoppable. You know, I'm, I'm like, look at all the stuff that I'm doing on my own. No one around me is helping me. This is all on my own money. This is all me running into problems and solving them i'm not having to like call up mum and dad or you know anything like that and yeah i think at that point i was like you know what next i'm going to go to asia and i'm going to backpack around there so yeah that's how asia kind of came about just realizing that i could do it <laughs> and so what's the itinerary been um so i started in taiwan i've gotten so good at rattling off the countries it was like Taiwan, Hong Kong, Macau, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, Singapore, Malaysia, India, Bangladesh. And so I was last in, back in India. So I think in a few days I'm actually going to fly back there and continue on with my backpacking. And yeah, it'd be in India for pretty much the rest of the year and throw in like Nepal and Sri Lanka. And then I, I don't know after that. I'm not good at making these big plans. <laughs> to make it up as I go along. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like you just rattled off a, a volley of countries just then. So <laughs> you must be good at something, you know, like... I'm doing something right, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think we do tend to undervalue just how capable we are. Oh, for sure. A lot in life. And I'm someone that has definitely benefited from the help of others mm -hmm. in all areas of my life and have never really appreciated that my own capabilities but yeah i do see it in other people as well and i see it in you i'm just listening to you and it's like come on man you, you, you're <laughs> just reeled off someone's dream like, you're talking about someone's dreams don't don't play them down so much 
Yeah, I mean, maybe I have a tendency to kind of trivialize these big things because I know I know that I'm so fortunate, which I'm, I'm so grateful because, I mean, I think anyone would want to just say, hey, I'm going to quit my job and go overseas tomorrow. Like, doesn't everyone fantasize about that at least once in their life, you know? So at least, you know, at least once. And I, I am, I'm doing that. But I think I kind of just wanted to point out one thing I said before about, um, I think it was really important for me to not rely on someone because I think in my life, I think my family, like my extended family has kind of babied me a little bit. I'm like the youngest out of like everyone, like all my cousins and stuff. And I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I had this impression that everyone thought I was like a little bit useless or a little bit like not independent. I'm clean, everyone. It's time. You're, you're, you're all busted. You've heard it here. I think my family's going to listen to this and be like, no, we never thought you were useless. You were just lazy, (laughs) which is true. I am. (laughs) But, you know, so I think going to South America was such a a wake up call for me because it's like, you know what? When people say that I'm like not independent or whenever anyone like my big brother might call me useless again, I'm going to be like, no, I, I have actual evidence now that I can do this because I think in all of my extended family and my parents have traveled quite a bit now later in life after they've both retired. I don't think anyone in my extended family has been to a country alone where they didn't speak the language. And I think I've done that. The youngest one in the family has done that repeatedly for extensive periods of time. And so I think, I think it's kind of a big deal. But also sort of going back to the trivializing these big things, I did want to kind of point out, like I hate giving advice, but I mean, I'm kind of on this podcast. I kind of have my, my moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's your time. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I'm trying to be careful to to just keep this as succinct as possible. But I think I think so much of it is just realizing what you want to do in life, which is the hardest thing to do. And then just saying it, like saying it out loud and then just doing it. Because I think we all get caught up in this like this thing of like fear where it's like, oh, I can't quit my job. And it's like, actually, you can. It's actually very easy. You just walk up to your boss and you say, I quit. And then let the paperwork sort itself out. You can quit your job, you know. And then people get hung up on the, oh, yeah, but then this and that and all of these excuses why they can't do this big fun thing and i understand like you know working's a necessity and all that jazz but i really think that people should be less scared about doing the things and if it all goes sideways who cares you got a fantastic learning experience out of it and you'll know you'll be better prepared for next time i think that's what kind of keeps people stuck you know yeah yeah just do the thing yeah who cares nike made a <laughs> a whole slogan out of it yeah yeah, their whole brand is based on just do it, isn't it? But I do like that. And it's probably an important time to then put it into perspective for some people because, like I said, there's going to be younger people that are listening to this and older people that are listening to this and people with different perspectives and mm-hmm. different experiences. And But I think one of the things that I realized most about... I mean, this life experience is that it takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes time to develop ideas. It takes time to see your goals through to their fruition. Mm -hmm. It takes time to, you know, get an education. It takes time to think about what you want to do with yourself. Oh, yeah. And in order to have that time, you need to allow enough space in your life to be able to invest that time Mm -hmm. in thinking and feeling. For sure. And then the doing part as well that Mm -hmm. comes after that. But one of the things that I've really noticed is, especially because I work in a bit of a corporate environment where I speak to different kinds of people all the time and speak to people that are actually earning quite a lot of money who um, they can't just quit their job and go, like you say that they can, I say (laughs) that they can't. And 
they can't just quit their job and go to Europe and you know or go to South America or go go to Asia because what happened is they started to collateralize their life mm-hmm. like so going back to that sort of linear style someone may have gotten a husband or a wife and then they've fallen in love and they've, they're having kids and now those kids are going to private school and of course the family home is being built and so I feel like some of the people that I've spoken to their hands are tied with that whole oh I'm in my late 30s now and I never did that trip that I wanted to do and now I can't because mm. my kids school fees are like 30 grand a year and mm. at know, least and I have that job now I'm in that finally in that like I've got a friend whose wife she's finally got to that senior position that she's always dreamt of like it was the reason that she went to university 17 years ago so basically she's been working 17 years to finally get this role right and so now that she's in it when I suggested that oh you guys have never been to Rome you guys should totally go to Rome and they were like yeah no we can't travel now X has just got that job (laughs) I just thought to myself whoa we make choices in our today that really impact our future. I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I was about to say that exact thing. But rather, I think I've, I've met so many people who kind of look at their lives and they say, oh, I can't do this thing for similar reasons. Oh, I, I just got this job or I just bought a car or a house or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, if you're complaining that you can't travel, what you should be framing that as is I made a choice. I made a choice to buy this house or this car or to get this job. And I chose that over traveling. Which is fair. That is not the wrong choice, right? But acknowledge that you made a choice and acknowledge that you are actually getting some benefit from that choice. Mm. And so it does you no good to complain about something that you didn't choose. So, yeah, I mean, I haven't been to Rome because I've chosen to go to other places first. Mm. I don't know why we keep talking about Rome. (laughs) Shout out to Rome. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, so I think... I don't think anyone should live in regret of their choices. And if you're living in regret, do something about it, right? If you're sitting there saying, oh, I wish I had gone to Rome instead of taking this job, quit, go to Rome. But if you're sitting there saying, this is the job that I've always wanted, acknowledge, yeah, sure, it came at the cost of maybe you don't get to visit the places that you want to, but you made this choice for hopefully the better option. So acknowledge that too. Be be happy about the choice that you made instead of complaining about the choice that you didn't make. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I mean, that's... That's a good way of looking at things. And I'm always a big fan of, I think in maths, you call it transposing mm-hmm. um, or is it reframing mm-hmm. as well as a term for, you know, look at, looking at things differently. You know, I always love to reframe things and yeah, it really does help with perspective for sure. But oh, for sure. I think um, more so that be conscious of the choices that you're making. And I think in order to live the kind of life that you're living, it's to be conscious that, you know, as soon as you collateralize a little bit in life, as soon as you buy that car and and have to pay it off and buy that house and have to pay it off, there's golden handcuffs now Hmm. on you that are tying you to things and are limiting your ability to just be able to be agile in your own life experience. Yeah, but I mean, again, if you wanted to be agile, you made the wrong choice, right? You prioritized other things instead of agility and spontaneity. So that was the way that you prioritized your life. You're not stuck to anything. You just prioritize something else. And be grateful that you're getting that thing that you chose, right? Look at your life with gratitude instead of looking at the things you don't have because you didn't pick them, right? Um... That's the way I see it. I mean, I value agility so much. I want to be so free where I can pick up and leave anytime I want, which is like, again, that's actually one of the side reasons why I came to do this podcast in person was to say, hey, a few days ago, I was in India. I was like 
in the Himalayas and then was like, you know what? My mum misses me. It's her birthday. I've got this podcast in Melbourne. I feel like the signs are saying I should be in Australia right now. And I was kind of missing my friends and everything. So I was like, you know, heck, uh, heck it, you, let's do it. <laughs> did you fly back all the way just to do this podcast? <laughs> I think it would be disingenuous if I said yes. I mean, there were many other reasons. but it, You it, should have it, just said yes. <laughs> you got to learn to lie. No, no, no. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, because one of the big things with me is like honesty. Of I course, mean, yeah. No, but I think, like, honestly, the greatest source, if not the only source of unhappiness, comes from being dishonest with ourselves. I think that if we can genuinely say to ourselves, this is what I want for my life, but I'm too scared to make that choice, then you've kind of, like, answered your own question, right? Or if you know what you want, like, if you know that you hate your job or you're not in love with your partner anymore and but you're too scared to have those conversations, then, you know, if you're not going to say it to anyone else out loud, at least say it to yourself. At least say, I hate my job or, you know, I'm not happy with my partner or whatever. Say the things to yourself and then then you can start working towards a proper solution because until you do that, you're going to just be covering up the problem with Band-Aid solutions that aren't, that's not going to do anything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to take a moment to remind the audience that we're outside, outdoors, <laughs> in kind of inner city suburbia, but it doesn't really feel like it. If you were sitting here, you'd think you were somewhere else, a bit more magical than inner city suburbia. Mm-hmm. And you're going to hear dogs and cars and maybe some airplanes and the fire crackling in the background. As yeah, well. hopefully the fire. I don't think you're going to catch the fire, unfortunately, but mm, I hope you do. Um, you can also hear me burping, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> and also, yes, hey, I might just do this live. So I really rely on all of you amazing listeners to find me on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that be Apple or Spotify or Pocket Casts. Follow me along there, jump on my website and subscribe as well so you can be the first to find out when a new episode drops. And also, yeah, leave a comment where you can because I don't know who's listening unless you tell me that you've heard it and you liked what you heard or you disagree with something you heard or if you want to tell me anything about what you think about this podcast, I'd really appreciate it. So there we go. A little live plug, which was suggested by someone instead of my normal <laughs> recorded ones. Um, nice. But some of the things that you talk about, I really like. I really I really like listening to your perspective on what you mentioned earlier, saying things out loud. I've got one of my own stories around that. And also, you know, being honest with yourself. Those two points are something that have really resonate with me a lot. The first one being saying things out loud. And I just think there's no greater way of really demanding accountability mm-hmm. from yourself than saying something out loud. And my example is that when I, I had written a children's book, which has now been published for eight years. And at the time, I wasn't sure how I was going to illustrate it and I think I had like a bit of a crazy dream or something (laughs) and I had this like mad idea because the book was called is called Chocolate Dreams it's a children's picture book about believing in your dreams and it took me ages to work out how I was going to illustrate it but I finally settled on I was going to illustrate it myself using real chocolate and yeah in that in the artwork yeah it looks cool trust me And so it was just kind of like a a weird thought that popped into my head. But that seed that I had planted with that thought was growing and growing and growing. Mm -hmm. And I knew the only way that I was going to be able to really hold myself accountable to making this happen was if I said it out loud. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that morning I went to see a friend of mine and I said to that friend, I'm going to illustrate my own book using real chocolate. And in that moment, I felt like this sinking feeling in my gut where I was like, oh, shit. 
I do have to do that now yeah. because I have said it out loud to someone else that yeah. I actually care about mm-hmm. and who's who I respect and who respects me. At least for now, they might lose respect for me if I don't <laughs> deliver on this chocolate <laughs> illustrations. But, you know, I wanted to put myself in that situation where I was forced to deliver because I had then put it out there in the universe and in the private sphere of my friendships, but out loud and... I think that was yeah one of the key and it turned out great like in the end it was a lot of work but it turned out great and uh, nice you know i'm really glad that i made that choice but i know that i may not have followed through with it if i didn't like what you suggested say it out loud mm-hmm. and and then because of that then having to be accountable for that exactly and then obviously also being honest with ourselves as well you touched on before is super important you know i was saying this before i can't remember which episode i was saying it in but like know thyself is something that i have been saying like it's i don't know who said it first it's like a proverb to me it's like a famous quote that someone said once but Mm. know thyself it's been so pivotal in my life lately like know who you are know what you're good at if you're an immigrant and you have an accent and people can't understand you because of that, figure it out, you know. <laughs> um, you know, if you're overweight and you can't get into your clothes anymore, don't blame the clothes that are too small. Oh, I know. Like, just figure it out. Know you know who you are and know what you have to work on. Be honest with yourself. It's such a, it's such a brutally difficult thing. And I guess, you know, a former partner of mine was honest with me in ways that no one else ever had the courage to be honest with me. Mm-hmm. Or will I add, cared enough about me. Exactly. In order to, and as much as it was difficult to hear those messages and, you know, they weren't always delivered in the most tactful way, I'll say, but the (laughs) delivery is, you know, much of a muchness. It was a thought that really counted. It was actual, the care that this person was like, hey, you really need to improve in this area for your own good, for your own life, for your own future. And, you know, now that I don't have this person's support in my life anymore because we've gone our separate ways, I understand now that it's on me to be the one that pulls myself up and is honest with myself about these, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, let's just call them shortcomings. But it was a really key moment for me to recognize that, to go, you know what? I have lost one of the best friends I've ever had who gave me some of the best advice I'll ever get in my life. And I now have the responsibility of being honest with myself. I have to be honest with myself. You have to be. In order to like continue that person's legacy as well of the impact that they left in my life. But also because I don't have them anymore. Mm. And so I've got to get out of bed and I've got to go, listen, slap out of it. Harden up. <laughs> Like literally. Yeah, no, no, for real. <laughs> like Earlier this year, I was, you know, having a whinge about some things and I had two choices. Mm. It was quit or harden up. Yeah. I chose harden up and the year has, things have changed and things have improved mm-hmm. and things are way better. Yeah. A recent friend of mine, shout out to Richie, by the way. I think it was him that said this to me. There was something about someone I can't even I don't even remember what it was but I I wanted to say something to someone about some issue that I was having with them and he was like oh just say it and I was like no because it's going to hurt their feelings or it's going to like like it's not that big of a deal to me and he said to me something like oh that means that you don't really respect them or like them that much or care about them that much and I'm like oh I see what you mean but elaborate and he was getting into this idea of like kind of what you just said about if you really care about someone or or if you need to say something to someone and you you're worried about how they're going to feel. What you're essentially saying is you don't think they can handle it. Mm. What you're saying is you don't think that person is mature enough 
to hear what you have to say and take it on board and they're going to react maybe like a child or whatever just you know immaturely and so it's when you frame it like that it's like oh actually i do think this person is mature enough to hear what i have to say i mean it becomes difficult when their maturity is the problem and it's like well i i can't tell you you know um how to be more mature but um no but yeah i mean i think if it's someone that you care about and you want the best for them that includes telling them hey uh, you need to fix this thing or just be better at this thing and you know um, you need to suck it up and have that conversation because you otherwise you're just letting them kind of wallow in their in their problems yeah i gave two young people one male one female frank advice mm-hmm. within the last month for their careers because it's part of my job mm-hmm. to do so and sometimes it's you know it's always going to benefit them exactly i'm not going to give them this advice for my own joy Mm. You know, this is for you. This is your career. This is going to be hard for me to say. It's going to be even harder for you to hear. Mm-hmm. It's going to be true. You figure out how you want to take it and if you can. And one person took the advice and the other one accused me of mansplaining. <laughs> the person that took the advice got an amazing job offer. Mm-hmm. The other one obviously didn't take the advice and is still looking. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, I think if you're in this position and you need to say something painful, you remind yourself, okay, what outcome am I hoping for here? What am I hoping to achieve by saying these words that are going to be unpleasant? And I think that's where, like, that should guide your tact and your phrasing as to, like, this is the impact that I want. I want you to, like, hopefully be better in this aspect of your career or job or whatever. Mm. Um, And I'm going to do that by letting you know these things. Mm -hmm. Right? And if the, the recipient of that advice can't handle it for whatever reason then that kind of speaks to the problem that they're already having that you're trying to fix right but it's really on them at that point Mm. you can take the advice or you cannot you're allowed to be hurt for a minute if you want to be hurt but also realize that this person is hopefully trying to help you and and let that you know put aside your feelings for that minute and just suck it up take the advice do the thing you know yeah i agree 100 percent. you know I, i was faced with that this week actually where i gave someone I, t- I told them something that they didn't really like to hear and they flat out told me that you know it was relationship advice on someone that had recently screwed them over what was crawling back saying baby please mm. and i was like you I, I just said listen you know where baby please ends up if you take this person back you know what the risk is mm-hmm. and given how much you've had to build yourself up after the last thing i think it's a good idea maybe to avoid that pain of allowing that to happen again. And I was flat out told, thank you for your advice, but this could impact our friendship if I get back together with this person. I might not be able to be friends with you. And I was totally cool with it. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, to your point around how much do you care about this person? I was trying to explain this to a friend yesterday. Like I gave this advice because I actually care about them. Yeah. And, And he was kind of more saying things like, well, you know, you've obviously upset them. And I was like, yeah, but I don't care. But he's like, well, if you care, if, but if you do care about them, then you should care. And I was like, well, you know, that's a choice that we make as the person that cares about someone is that, hey, I'm going to need to deliver something to you at some point that is going to make you feel uncomfortable. And if mm-hmm. it's going to ruin our friendship, so be it. But if you can't recognize that it's coming from the right place, it's not on me. And if you do, then oh, amazing. Mm. I don't know how we came down this track, but <laughs> I like exploring this whole... I think it's being honest, honest with yourself and with people and again like that friend who said that like okay there's a there's a significant amount of honesty there saying like hey this might happen and it might you know ruin our friendship or whatever yeah. and yeah. just saying the words and that was honest yeah, yeah. but um i haven't heard okay. from him since <laughs> but i think also like 
again, going back to choices, there is a choice being made there yeah. where they're saying yeah. like, I'm choosing to be hurt and to leave this friend who gave me good advice. I'm going to leave them behind because I'm too hurt to face them. Or, for example, I, I had this friend who, a very good friend, now we're like excellent, but there was a period, in our, period of time in our lives where they just like, they were very non-committal to things. Like they'd be in town and I'd say, hey, let's hang out. And they would like last minute cancel and or like I would make plans and they just kept, you know, kind of canceling and things. And it got to the point where like, you know, this was younger me. So I was retaliating. They would want to make plans with me and I would cancel last minute or I would just flat out say no. And just I would want to be in that moment being petty and let them know how that felt like. And I had to sort of have the conversation with myself and say, you know what? This person actually means a lot to me. And I would rather have them in my life for one night a year than not at all. Like, why am I going to throw away this friendship just because they couldn't make it a couple of times? Yes. And so I was I like, that. and so they would make plans with me and I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to make every effort to see you because I want to see you. And if you can't make it, that's cool. I'll, I'll be hurt for a little bit, but I'd rather have that friendship with you than no friendship. And since then, things have gotten a lot better, but I'm so happy with that choice, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Out. I think that's such a great example of something that I was talking about with someone this morning, actually, um, for a very similar reason. Mm -hmm. And ah, my retaliation was going to be on a far lesser, it was more, way more passive. It was just mm -hmm. like, I can't even bother resp responding to this message yeah. after like being disrespected like that. Mm -hmm. Then I started to say, but I want to deal with this well. I want to find a way to deal with this mm -hmm. in a way where everyone can kind of win if that's possible but i think my ego is getting in the way yeah it's amazing to have gotten to this point in my life where i've worked out that there's an ego that's <laughs> at, on, in the driver's seat mm -hmm. and that has been relatively unchecked for a lot of my life <laughs> and there's been consequences oh yeah and when i look around at society and you know some of the issues that certain people are facing that I might know whether it's at work or you know just out in this community yeah the ego really really took the driver's seat mm -hmm. and you made choices and decisions that weren't in your own best interest mm -hmm. but were in the interest of winning or <laughs> retaliating or being the one that wins that interaction by saying you know oh, no I'm going to cancel on you this time yeah um when it really down to your in your most genuine authentic self that wasn't in your best interest and i love that you were able to get to that place with your friend mm -hmm. in your friendship without them maybe even knowing it no they don't know it that and they i hope they don't realize that i'm talking about them if they listen to this <laughs> hey uh, <laughs> actually this could apply to a few people so you know um dude friends are so flaky <laughs> yeah, they are they and are. And I think even just realizing that it helps to just calm your ego down. And this is what I said to a very close family friend of mine the other day. He was struggling with this idea of communicating with this person that she really doesn't want to communicate with, but has to. And was basically gave me plan A for what, how she was going to communicate. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm, <laughs> okay, mm -hmm. is that in everyone's best interest? Mm -hmm. Are you going to get the outcome that you want by following that course of action? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Or if we think about it, maybe from one of the parties involved, mm -hmm. who's a young boy, what would he want you to do? Yeah. And that changed the whole t uh, approach. And that was a really satisfying moment because without necessarily directly calling out that you're, hey, listen, your ego's out of check here. It was 
really satisfying for me to help this person to get to a place where they could understand the repercussions of the ego-driven communication style mm. and to make a choice to take plan B <laughs> for the best of the situation and the, all parties involved. Mm. But least of all, my ego, you know, that was, the, the ego was going to be bruised in that moment. Mm -hmm. But, if but it, it's the right thing. Yeah, but your ego is such a, also your ego is such a abstract concept. An ego is basically an abstract concept, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Without being psychological about it, you can't kill an ego. Like, can you? Not kill in the traditional sense. But, you know, I think the whole point of, like, Buddhism is to, like, eliminate your ego. Uh, yeah, I think it's more to Yamini Kaluri, who I'm just about to release that episode mm -hmm. at the time of recording this one. She said it beautifully, actually, when she talks about her demons. Mm -hmm. She knows she has them and she befriends them. Right. She understands the things that they are saying to her. Okay. And she allows them to talk to her. And she has conversations with them and then lets them air out their grievances. And then she acts from a place of calm after allowing that interaction to occur. I think that's brilliant. I mean, I, that's kind of like, like being honest with yourself. I think... For me, because I have these conversations a lot with myself, which I recently learned is this new term, self-talk, which I think, I think it's kind of dumb that we give everything names, but here we are. Self-talk, yeah. Um, but I have these conversations with myself where like, if something hurts me or if something hurts my feelings, I kind of go, okay, well, why? What aspect about this situation hurt my feelings? It's like, oh, I feel undervalued or underappreciated from this person, as an example, right? And I mean, there is, there's a choice in there as well. I mean, I was going back to like that, that friend or like any kind of interaction, you know, if a friend kind of, let's say, cancels plans and says, oh, hey, I can't make it because of X, Y, Z. And you probably know that that's bullshit and you go, whatever. But you can just choose the same way that you've chosen them to decide that they're lying and that they're being fake and that maybe you might take it one step further and say, oh, they don't care about me, right? You're, you're making this whole thing about you. Or in the same way, with the same ease, you could choose to just believe them and say, oh, they told me this. Why would I have any reason to doubt what they've told me because we're friends and they've told me that they can't make it because of this reason, right? I can choose to believe that and it's going to be the best course of action for our friendship because, or I could get my ego involved and say, oh, this is, this is about me. They don't value me. They don't like me. My feelings are hurt. And then I'm going to act from that place, which is going to ruin everything, right? Where, you know, you can make the choice and just say, no, I'm going to believe what they said, take it for face value and then move on with my life. And so having, I guess, these conversations with yourself and just saying, you know, why am I being hurt by this? Or like, what is the thing that's holding me back? And or any, whatever the conversation needs to be, being able to ask yourself that question or ask your demons and let them speak and then act from there. All right, I have these pieces of information now, act from there rather than acting out of emotion, sort of this reactive response to everything. Because I don't think that gets you where you want to go. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, like, obviously you've developed some really healthy mindsets around the way that you talk to yourself and you govern your relationships and that you make decisions in your life based on certain values. Would you say that you're really happy with where you are right now in your life? Heck yes. I mean, I... Okay, I think about time travel a lot. Really? Right. I I'm really time travel. I, I'm obsessed with it, right? I love sci-fi and I can't watch a movie or read a book about time travel without thinking, all right, like, if I could do that, what would I do? And I... Younger me would have changed so much, right? Younger me would have this never-ending list of things that he would change about his life. And he'd say, oh, I would, you know, I would, I'll change this, I'll fix this, I would avoid doing that decision, blah, blah, blah. But I think now, the older I get, at some point I decided I wouldn't change a damn thing. Like, 
because all of those things, even the times where I was in the wrong and, and hurt people, those are the most profound lessons. The times where you've, you realize, oh, I was the jerk. I was selfish and I misbehaved and I caused damage by behaving like that. Those are the most profound lessons because those are the ones that hurt me the most later where I think, man, I, I really wish I hadn't hurt that person. I have to make sure that I'll never do this again. So those for me are the lessons that really stick. And yeah, so I love who I am, which is something that maybe 16-year-old me would not have said. I love where I'm at with my life. I mean, again, I'm kind of living the dream, right? I'm, I'm unemployed and I'm traveling the world. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I've, got, I've got a pretty, pretty good life. And I got myself here through all of the, the things that didn't go to plan. Because if I had followed the plan of my 16-year-old self, I'd be an engineer with no time to travel. And that would have been the choice that I made, and I would have been unhappy and complaining about life. I love all of that. <laughs> I get to the end of that, and I'm like... You know what makes me feel even better? Mm -hmm. When I think all of those things that you just thought, and then I go, oh, if I had followed that path, I know my life would be different, but I know I would have found ways of making it work for me and for me to be happy. And that, Mm -hmm. that is when I get to a full place of peace with who I am. Because when I try and compare... Oh, what happens if I studied entrepreneurship at RMIT instead of going to art school, you know? Mm. I like to think that there would have been a really great outcome at the end of that road. And I want to believe that it would have worked out awesome and that I would have been happy. And that I'm also really grateful for where I am now and I'm really happy with where I am now. Mm -hmm. So as not to look back and go, if I had followed that path, I know I would be miserable as if it's some kind of comparison that I'm trying to do with myself to make myself feel better about the choices that I made or the failures that have happened. But to actually feel amazing about where I am because and potentially acknowledging that that would have also been amazing in its own right makes me feel more amazing about the right now. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes I disagree, but that makes sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're like, no, plan A must have sucked for plan B to be good. No, <laughs> to no, be no, awesome. no, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just, I think... The question that comes to me is like, okay, I mean, I don't, I don't believe in destiny or whatever, right? But don't. Oh. if I had followed that path, right, the engineer path, I know that I would have been unhappy for a while, right? Because I was already unhappy when I was studying it, right? And I got to the end knowing that it wasn't what I wanted to do. But let's say I followed that path. I would have been unhappy for a while. And I could also say, okay, well, if I had figured, at some point, I would figure it out. I would, at some point, I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm unhappy and I got to do something. My question is, wouldn't I just end up where I am now, but maybe at a later age. Whoa, parallel universe. Like, would I not just end up in the same place? Because is it inevitable? If I learn my lessons, no matter which sort of alternate timeline I take, mm-hmm. if you assume that what you're saying is like, oh, you would figure it out and learn your lessons regardless and be, learn how to be happy, would you not end up in at least a similar place to your current timeline where you are happy? I don't know the answer to that. But I think I wouldn't have been happy because... 16-year-old me was listening to other people, right? Mm. He was, other people told me I should be rich. Other people told me that I should aim to be successful, that that's all that matters in life and that, that my job and my career are inseparable from my identity. And listening to that and following that, even if I would have been successful and rich and all of those things, I would not have been happy. I would not have been fulfilled. And so I can say that with certainty. I don't know where he would have ended up at 31, but I know that he'd be unhappy getting there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I really love that. I think what you were touching on earlier about that honesty piece being really pivotal to your, you know, who you are, your whole existence now. Mm. And I think we're in an interesting time in the world where, you know, authenticity is more and more valued than ever before. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's important to, going back to that notion of you potentially cooling your ego off 
it's for the for the best outcome between you and, and that group of friends or or that situation mm-hmm. and going you know what like I could say that I'm upset but and that I don't want to see this person but what's that going to prove yeah I think there's right now there's it's an interesting time for us to learn how to balance that honesty piece mm-hmm. and not at the cost of our authenticity but whilst walking the tightrope of checking our egos yeah if that makes sense I may have just gone off on a tangent <laughs> But I think, yeah, in short, I really admire where that you've got to this place where you you, you recognize that your decisions, you're really in charge and, you, and the decisions that you make and the interactions that you have in your life, the decisions that you make are really important. You know, how you behave is really important, mm-hmm. but not to sacrifice your own authenticity at the same time, I think is really a good thing to yeah. consider. Not even to, <laughs> it's just something to just consider. I'm far from perfect, right? I do not consider that I've got my life figured out yeah. if that's if that's doable I in any that. right everything that i have and everything that i who i am i think has been these lessons that have come from mostly interactions with other people right and i if there's one thing in my life that i'm genuinely proud of it's i think i've made very good choices about the people that i've deliberately put in my life i love my friends and i i love them in no sort of uncertain or vague terms like i think they're all great people and I keep them around because I learn so much from them. I think they help me be a better person, right? I look at them all and think they're all wise and kind in different ways. And if I could just be a little bit more like each one of them, like I'll take this part from this person and that from that person, then, you know, I'll be kinder and happier, hopefully. So I think that's one thing that I'm proud of is the people that I kind of keep around. And I've been very fortunate, I think, in my travels to meet fantastic people, very interesting, very wise people. And I think that's been for me sort of the greatest reward of my traveling and one of the greatest choices I've made because I've had the opportunity just to learn from so many different people. I think that's the thing that I'm like proudest of, of myself and grateful of, definitely grateful. Mm. Yeah, and I know I sort of went off on a little tangent there, sort of going all the way back to that authenticity piece and that honesty and, and all of that. But then I was wanting to get to the, the last thing that you said before just this mm-hmm. about you, you knowing actually, pretty much knowing for a fact, whereas I was questioning whether plan A could have been awesome and plan B can be awesome and they're not like, mm. they can both exist. Mm-hmm. But you're saying, no, 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 no. I know plan A would have sucked because <laughs> I wasn't acting out of my own autonomy. Mm-hmm. It, wasn't, it wasn't my own autonomous desires and drivers and motivations that were leading to the decisions that I was wanting to make and those plans that I was trying to make. Yeah. I think that's a really great distinguisher because when I mm. when you were talking all I was thinking about was some of those like child stars and and that yeah. the, you know some of those even those sports stars. Yeah. where they they're brilliant but you can tell that they're troubled and then and then you sort of see some weird relationship with their parents. Yeah. that's kind of been happening behind the scenes you know like Britney Spears and whatever and then you start to see that the cracks have started to open up in their character and that they've started shaving their heads which yeah. I think you did at some point right thanks thanks for that comparison <laughs> <laughs> and, and that their life starts to sort of have like these cracks start to appear I'm no longer comparing you by the way um, <laughs> because <laughs> and then you realize, oh, 
there's never been any autonomy in their own mm. life choices. Yeah. I think that was a really powerful distinguisher for me in what you just said, because mm. it's really helped me to see the forest from the trees with this kind of argument around, you know, they both can exist. And I think that if autonomously you were wanting to be, you know, a millionaire, famous, hotshot engineer that travelled and had impact on projects and, you know, mm -hmm. highly regarded, amazing folio of work, I'm sure you would have built people up in their careers too. Uh, we would have had people working under you who really admired you and who really valued your impact in their lives as well. So mm. elements of satisfaction could come in that, out of that situation. But sure. if it was because society was telling you that that's what you should be, then of course it was always going to end up being doomed. Exactly. Yeah. And then in your last point as well about what you said about your friends. I think it was really beautiful. I mean, like, oh, thank not, you. not many people can say that their friends, you know, mean that much to them. I feel the same about some of my friends as well. I look at some of my other friends sometimes and think, this person wants to throw me under a bar <laughs> and see me fail. <laughs> but it's cool because I can deal with that. And I know that that's just part of life sometimes, that you've, that you've got people around you that don't necessarily want you to succeed because, you know, they're not living the life that they want so mm. why would they want you to as well exactly but to, for you to be able to go yeah i get like their, their wisdom and their just their friendship is so important in my life that's so great to hear i love that thank you i mean yeah i mean i can look at any of my friends and say none of them are envious if i am successful oh, really oh, of me okay. <laughs> maybe that's what it is maybe i have nothing to to be envious of um <laughs> no, but I mean, I think if I come back to them with any kind of success, they are all overjoyed and I can see the genuineness, right? And for me, it's like, well, my success are, are our successes because you have given me so much. You've helped me be this person. So that's the way I see it. And same with them. Like when good things happen to my friends, I'm overjoyed because I know that that's going to make them happy. You know, um, I was going to say like that year that I was unemployed, in the beginning, I was kind of like excited because it was like the first time in my life where I wasn't a student, I wasn't employed. It was like, and I think the first time that that happens to you when you're like, oh, I've got actually no responsibilities right now. It's, it's a pretty great feeling. It's like being on like school holiday, like summer holiday that's never ending. <laughs> and so I was like, I was kind of happy at the start. And I was like, great, I have all the time in the world to like play all my video games. And very quickly, I got bored of all of my video games. I couldn't buy new ones because I didn't have any money. I couldn't go out with my friends because... They all wanted to go to clubbing and drinking and spending lots of money. They all wanted to, you know, they would like go on these little like weekend getaways and get an apartment somewhere. And I'd be like, oh, I can't come. Or they would go to music festivals and I'm like, oh, I can't come. I don't have any money. I think it was that. That was like the first domino that kind of like began to break me. I can say in that year, I spent most of my time, and I'm not exaggerating, most of my time, especially towards the end, staring out of the window and just thinking about my life. I would be sitting at my desk my computer would be on or whatever, but I would not actually be sort of using it. I would just be staring out at my backyard and thinking, like, what am I doing? And then, you know, I'm unhappy. Okay, why am I unhappy? Because, you know, because everyone told me I was going to be a big shot and I'm, I'm not. I've failed. And then like, okay, well, what's the solution out of here? You know, I think for me, like, this is, sounds weird to say, but I'm grateful that I had the whatever it was that let me answer that question. You know, if I said, okay, what's the solution out of here? Oh, I could get a job. And instantly there'd be a voice that, that would say like, okay, that's going to give you money, but that's not going to give you happiness, right? You didn't want to be an engineer. So replacing it with some other kind of job is not going to fix the problem that's at the root. And so for me, there was so much work that had to be done on myself and thinking, 
you know, separating, okay, my job is not me. Money is not going to make me happy. It's just fuel. Being intelligent, because I've been told that I'm intelligent my whole life. I think I received too much praise as a kid. Um, and I was like, I was kind of like bullied for being a nerd. And I was like, I would own it and be like, yeah, like they see that I'm like intelligent. And that's my identity was like that. And I thought that that was going to carry me through life. And the fact that it didn't made me realize like, oh, intelligence, like to hell with it. <laughs> um, like, I don't, I don't need this trait anymore. If people say that, then cool. If they say that I'm not, I'm cool with that too, right? I have no qualms with being stupid. Ignorant, perhaps. Like, I try my best to not be ignorant about what's going on. But if I'm stupid, I'm stupid, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, just learning to separate all of that and be like, okay, what's actually going to bring me happiness? Because it's not going to be my job. It's not going to be... Intelligence has never brought me happiness. If history has taught us anything, I think it's like geniuses tend to be a little bit messed up. So... We're all messed up. Yeah. In some way. Fair point. I think we are. I think we're all yeah, we're, we're all messed up in our own little way, right? Um, yeah, this charade. <laughs> we're all walking around every day pretending we're not messed up. That's how the world spins around yeah. the sun, with everyone just pretending that they're all, there's nothing wrong with them. Mm. I think that's all starting to crumble now. I hope. I don't know. I don't have a lot of hope. Mental illness is, is uh, through the roof these days. So I don't know whether it's just worse than it ever was or whether the awareness is greater or both. But... Um, yeah, I think people are sick of uh, putting on a show. I, I have a lot of feelings about the, the mental health stats in in society at the moment, but that's a podcast for another day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I definitely don't want to take us down that track because you're right. <laughs> this has been a really great little campfire, fireside <laughs> chat session with you, Seb. It's been really great getting to know you, your motivations. Mm. The learnings, the wisdom, your philosophy around things. I've questioned you a few times and you've held strong to your beliefs, and <laughs> which is great because you sh- like you should and not question you out of sort of some s- suspicion, but, you know, to, to get more clarity or, mm. around, you know, how your convictions. <clears throat> challenge is learning. So challenge me all you want. Yeah, no, I learn too. When I question, I'm trying to understand. It's like seek to understand, question. But also, I love being proven wrong. If I love something more than being right in life, it's proven wrong or I learn something out of it. Exactly. I love that more than being right. Mm -hmm. Mind you, I'm right a lot of the time. (laughs) 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 I want you all to know. No, I'm just kidding. And I think this has been a far more chilled chat that my audience might be used to as well. We didn't really have an, a direction. We just sort of kicked it off. We got interrupted by our pizza delivery. <laughs> um, I scoffed down that entire pizza while you talked. And, <laughs> and I've been fueling the fire throughout this conversation. Mm-hmm. It's been really great. It's been awesome to have you here. And, you know, to be at least in the top 10 reasons why you came back to Australia <laughs> uh, as well. Oh, for sure. You know, for you to be part of this. And despite being smoked out by the fire, I mean, hopefully it's been a great experience for you. For sure. I'm, I'm honestly I'm so flattered and honored that you you asked me to be a part of this I don't see my life as that that exciting I mean not no exciting not that interesting so hopefully the, the listeners are, don't hate this episode oh, no. I mean <laughs> I think that for someone that's listened from right from the beginning it's food for thought hopefully 100% guaranteed from the Louis Diaz podcast is that you will leave every episode having something to think about it might not change your life, but it might actually. And people ask me about 
my motivations around this. Mm-hmm. And I say, I tell them, every time I've come off an episode, I've leveled up. Yeah. Every one of my guests teaches me something. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm stealing all of your IP, your <laughs> emotional IP. And but I think that's kind of the point of life, just to learn from everyone else, no? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I say this all the time to my students. I say everyone you meet will know something that you don't know. So take the time, listen, learn. 100%. And I, I think some of my most loyal listeners, that, that's what they really appreciate about this podcast. And they don't necessarily require you to be some celebrity to feel like you've got something to add to their lives, which is what I love about my audience and what I love about doing this. And so I just wanted to thank you for coming here and doing this with me and taking this risk to be outdoors with me on a coolish spring night mm-hmm. in September of 2023 when we're recording this and yeah and to share all your insights and, and a bottle of wine with me no well. thank you it's been my pleasure again I'm so honoured thank you yeah my pleasure and uh, I guess it's no better way than this to, to wrap it up for our audience so thank you everyone for listening Thank you to Seb's parents and family and friends. If you've stayed with us the whole way, I'm sure you have. You better have. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, goodbye for now. Goodbye. Thank you. We'd love to know what you thought of that episode of the Louis Diaz podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and even TikTok to let us know. And be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave us a review on Spotify, where you can catch some of our other really great episodes. Thanks for listening and catch you next time.